Welcome to Banana Peel Boulevard, the podcast where we take the fall so you don't have to. Now, here's the adult in the room, Becky Harnden, and national award-winning columnist and author, Gary Jordan. Thanks so much, Michelle. Hey, don't overdo the thanking, Michelle. <laughs> I'm never going to thank her again. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> for those of you who've listened to previous episodes, you'll understand what we just said. So I have this friend who I think he used to be a furniture salesman. And then he went and became a rabbi. And then I he understand re- the process. Right. And then he retired from being a rabbi. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Sonny Glass. Is he now a chicken farmer? <laughs> Just curious. <laughs> no, I think I think you go from being a retired rabbi. I think you're a furniture salesman, rabbi. And when you retire from being a rabbi, I think you become a chicken plucker. That's what they did. Oh. That was actually in Chicago. That was what, that's how they did things. How they did I not plucked know chickens. This? No, I mean, that's what happened. My, I had a grandfather, great, great, some great, grandfather's back, who was in um, in South Dakota. And he was a farmer in South Dakota. And uh, a horse uh, named Charlie kicked him in the head. And uh, A Charlie horse? Really? (laughs) I know. Kicked him in the head? I know. (laughs) Where are we going with this? (laughs) Well, no, it goes someplace, I promise. So the horse uh, kicked him in the head, and he was unable to farm anymore. It was a pretty severe... Actually, I heard he was a pretty cool horse. Um, he could find his way back in one of those South Dakota blinding snowstorms. Anyway, but I digress. <laughs> so Jacob Pelzer was my great-great-grandfather's name, and he came to uh, Chicago and became a, opened a chicken plucking store because that's what they did. Uh, they had a store where they would pluck the chickens. So when you came, and that's where my uh, grandfather met my grandmother, was she was a retired plucker. rabbi? <laughs> no, she was a plucker, <laughs> and uh, he was a street cop, and he wanted a chicken. <laughs> so anyway, but I love so this love story. Uh, so right. So back to Sunny Glass. Sunny is exactly if you stereotyped, you know, Jewish comedian in the Caskills. I mean, that is Sunny Glass. He now lives in Panama City. He's the sweetest guy. So we're coming back from a family wedding, and uh, we're in some airport. I guess it was Charlottesville Airport. And he starts telling me the joke that is the beginning of the column that we're going to read today. And the the joke was, I mean, if I told it to you, it'd be 20 seconds. But with Sunny Glass was reading it, it was everything you would love. And and it was, you know, like 10 minutes. It just went but on and on. But it takes that special person to tell a joke that way. Exactly. And Or you get uh, like, like us or, you know, this actually really reminded me of my father because my father, when I was growing up, uh, he worked night shift and he would come in at, you know, 5 a.m. And when I was in high school, I'd be getting up at that time to go exercise before school started. And... My dad would come in, silly and delirious from working all night. I had not had my coffee yet. I was unamused. But just the way my my dad would start to deliver jokes to me as I'm trying to enjoy my peaceful cup of coffee. <laughs> and he just has, he has this 
you wouldn't call it a belly laugh. You'd call it a belly snicker. You know, he just starts <laughs> snickering. And the more he snickers, the he funnier tell, right. he is. I know. And it doesn't matter what the joke not is. Not about the joke anymore. <laughs> it's not right. about the joke. I talk about that in this column. <laughs> We'd wake up the whole house dying laughing in the kitchen at 5 a.m. <laughs> okay, this one's going to, I'm just warning everybody. You know, normally the timing on our podcasts are, you know, about 14 to 16, 17 minutes. This one might be a minute or two longer because I've got to share another thing. That is just such a beautiful story. And I don't know if we're going to get to it ever because this column stimulates it. Remember the comedian Tim Conway? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, For younger listeners, he was a comedian in the 70s and 80s, uh, just a goofy guy. Anyway, Tim Conway's father, they lived in Sheboygan Falls, Ohio, or somewhere over there. And he was a, his father was a fix-it guy. And he installed a doorbell, he, his own doorbell in their house in the 50s in in Ohio. And see, this is why I don't tell jokes. <laughs> it take, I, I know, I, I wonder, okay, but I'm, I'm, but this story's worth it. So I'm going to... So this his is where fa- we end right, up when right, you start right. with stories like this. So <laughs> his father installed the doorbell and he screwed it up. The only time it rang was when no one was pushing the button. But when people pushed the button, it didn't make any noise. Okay, that's he 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 installed it in exact opposite. However, that happened. <laughs> but the great part of this story was that his father was a very funny guy, and for the next thirty years, the running joke in the family was every time it got quiet, his father would get up and go, "I'll get it." Someone's at the door. <laughs> <laughs> so they'd be at dinner, and the conversation would stop for a second. He'd go, "I'll get it." He'd get up and walk to the door. <laughs> and to me. That is like classic humor. That is like, you know, it's like the perfect oh, joke. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's like, and it keeps on, and it's funnier every time. Well, it gets because up it's to do life. It. It's life. Exactly. Which is so much funnier than anything you can manufacture. Exactly. And this actually brings me to um, one of the funniest stories. You and I, I was telling you a story. Do you remember one time we had a meeting and I came in and I had a big gash across my forehead? <laughs> do you remember this? Yeah, remember and you asked me what happened to my forehead. And so rather than making up something, you know, that would sound a lot better than what actually happened, I just told you what happened. I was in a hotel room with my daughter and some of her friends, and I was trying to discreetly remove my sweaty <laughs> sports bra <laughs> with like a shirt over it and, you know, just to not scare any young children. And um, in the process, I, I got... <laughs> Because yes, I, I couldn't get the visual out of my head for a week. Stuck. <laughs> and then I started feeling kind of like that straight jacket feeling. You right. Just so now break it's out. over your head and you're completely <laughs> stuck. Totally stuck. And you're wandering around the room <laughs> like an small idiot. There's children running around. <laughs> in the process, I end up stabbing myself in the head with my thumbnail, <laughs> which draws blood. <laughs> And you still can't see. And I still okay, right. can't see. Okay. So, uh, so yes, real life, much better. Okay. Don't stab uh, yeah, yourself in the head. What worked for me that day was the image. It, it was like a bad Three Stooges movie where you're running around with that over your head and you can't see. It's exactly what it was. And you're running into stuff. Okay, anyway. So I can't tell jokes. I've written a humor column for 10 years. I cannot tell jokes. I get... I make mistakes, and that's actually in here. But the subject of this chapter today is, well, it's just really that. It's uh, 
Um, it's about people who have trouble telling jokes and and how all that works. What's really cool about this one is we are we're actually going to be acting because you are going to play the part of my Jewish mother. This is my dream role. I mean, you were made for this role. So we're not just reading today. We are acting. And you will be so impressed. So any thespians out there, this one's for you. Ready to do the read? So ready. Okay. This is no joke. A new convict is sitting in the prison lunchroom with an old convict. From across the room, someone yells, 46! And everyone starts laughing. A few minutes later, someone yells, 39! And again, the whole room cracks up. The new convict asks, what's so funny? And the old convict explains, they've all been there so long, everybody knows the jokes. So they gave them numbers so they'd save some time. A few minutes later, someone yells, 56! And nobody laughs. The new convict asks, why not? And the old convict says, some guys just don't know how to tell a joke. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been any good at telling jokes. If it's a good one, I can't get through it without laughing because I know the punchline. More often, it's my inability to get it right. Two nuns and a plumber were walking down the street. No, wait. It was one nun and two insurance salesmen. No, no, no. They were walking. They No, they weren't walking. They were in a cab. You pretty much lost your audience by then. My friend Sonny Glass, a former stand-up comedian turned stand-in rabbi. Oh, okay, wait a minute. He was not a furniture salesman. He was a stand-up comedian turned <laughs> rabbi. <laughs> See, I can't even listen tell to, that li- story. Listen to Gary <laughs> so, tell a okay, story. Right. Okay, wait a minute. So so that's right. Now I remember because, there. yeah, he was a stand-up comedian. Then he turned rabbi. Do they still Actually, become chicken minute, pluckers after hold retiring? On. No, hold on. <laughs> no, no. The rabbi who was at Temple Israel in Tallahassee who left a few years ago, Jack Romberg, was a furniture salesman turned rabbi. I just confused my rabbis. That's all. You know what? There are plenty of paths for you if you'd like to be a retired rabbi. You can start anywhere. You can start anywhere, then become a (laughs) rabbi, and then later pluck chickens. So I'm going to start that chapter again. My friend Sonny Glass, a former stand-up comedian turned stand-in rabbi, told me the prison joke. His delivery was flawless. His timing was impeccable. His cadence rising and falling, his exuberant hands and shoulder shrugs were perfectly in rhythm with the story. What took me a few sentences to write took Sonny five minutes of character development, which was as funny as the punchline. I'm okay hearing a good joke, although when the telling begins, I feel a twinge of social pressure to laugh at the punchline, even if it's not funny. I admit the extent of my laughter is directly proportionate to the warmth I feel for the joke teller. Good joke tellers are telling a joke because they think it's funny and they want to share. When a joke is used to cover an otherwise awkward moment, it's not so funny. I've always found real life provides the best material. My, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just keep picturing you wandering around that hotel room with that thing on your head. I got to get that out of my head. My parents are hysterical and they never tell a joke. Mom's 90 years old and dad at the time of this writing was also 90 years old. Their everyday life provides more than enough humor. Last week, I had tears in my eyes from hearing them both share their common complaint about the toilets at my brother's house being too short. Gravity took care of them sitting down, 
getting up was an entirely different story. Hearing mom explain how she had to try and stand up from such an awkward position was priceless. You ready for this? This is, okay, <laughs> stand by for the acting. This is my role and, of a lifetime. Wait, I'll give you the acting cue. Stand by for the for. acting and act. Who does that? Who makes a toilet that short without a bar to grab onto? A handle, a hook, an ejector seat. Anything to get me off this thing. Everybody else's toilet seats are normal size, but no, not your brother's. It's like I was super glued to the seat. All I could do was scream for your father, pray he had his hearing aids turned on, and just sit there. Otherwise, they're going to have to pry me off this seat with a spatula. And scene. (laughs) The best part of hearing dad laugh while hearing mom tell the story is that they crack each other up. On debating whether to drive or fly to a recent wedding, this is my dad. I can't fly with her anymore. She can't get up from one plane to the other. It's like the guy whose friend had a heart attack and died on the second hole of a golf game. Hit the ball and drag Larry. Hit the ball and drag Larry. That's what it's like at the airport. He wants to put me on a meat hook like a butcher uses for a cow. Just hoist me up and slide me from terminal C to terminal B. You know, what scares the crap out of me is it sounds exactly like her. Okay. Oh, makes I me want to go. Made for no, I, I honestly, I want to go clean my room. I know I'm not revealing some secret clinical theory when I share the old adage, laughter is the best medicine. I have forgotten a thousand times when I was upset about something. But I have a tangible memory of the times we've laughed so hard we couldn't breathe. I love those contagious moments when you're laughing as you share something and the person you're telling it to starts laughing as hard as you before they even know what you're laughing about. It seems laughing is funny all by itself. I recall years ago waking up from a dream where I hit my mother in the head with a golf ball. (laughs) I wrote, this would not be a good time to examine the dream. Let's just go with it. In my dream, mom was a couple of hundred yards ahead of me in a golf cart. I hit my drive, and in slow motion, I could see the ball and mom on a collision course. When the ball hit her, it made that cluck sound you hear when you pop your tongue from the roof of your mouth. I write, go ahead and try it, because it makes the story better. Yeah, it's the... (laughs) And that was exactly what it sounded like in my dream. Even though she was hundreds of yards away, I heard... Well, that's quite a drive. Yes, I know. Right. Actually, for this story to be accurate, it was 70 yards away. (laughs) I wasn't wasn't going to point that out. Thank you. I woke up laughing hysterically, which in turn woke Bernice up. I remember so clearly how she was laughing without a clue as to why. The fact that I couldn't catch my breath enough to share the ridiculous dream wasn't important. My laughter caused her laughter. When Bernice laughs uncontrollably, it is a beautiful thing. I'm pretty sure if I woke up and tried to tell her a joke, this story wouldn't have been worth sharing. When Bernice laughs uncontrollably, it's a beautiful thing. I'm pretty sure that if I woke her up and tried to tell her a joke, this story wouldn't have been worth sharing. I'm not anti-joke, I'm pro-funny. So if a joke gets you there, that's great. I'm just more of a real-life guy. I've been sharing newspaper space with readers for almost 10 years, and during that time, many have shared with me the things that make them laugh, their stories, their spontaneous adventures, their life material. Keep on sharing. 
I'm going to try and laugh even more in the upcoming year. It's much more achievable resolution than going to the gym five days a week, and I don't have to look at a stocky dude in a one-size-too-small bike short to achieve my goal. A guy hears a knock on the door. When he opens it, there's no one there. He looks down and sees a snail, picks it up, and throws it across the street into the neighbor's yard. Two years later, there's a knock on his door. He opens the door, and the snail looks up and yells, What the hell, man? I'll be here all week, folks, and don't forget to order the veal. And that is no joke. Well, laughter is the best medicine, and we sure hope you got your daily dose today. If you have a funny story to share, go ahead and drop it to us in the comments on the podcast or on our Facebook page. And you can catch all of our adventures on thepeelpodcast.com.